to Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. It's the first, you know, sort of full interview episode of the re-re-reboot for 2023. I'm coming to you uh, on a Friday night when uh, we have an Arctic blast coming through. (laughs) Really been coming through all day. Uh, Heavy winds and uh, really, really cold out. And uh, sipping my vegan hot chocolate uh, with uh, the hot chocolate I bought from, or the cocoa mix or whatever I bought from uh, a place that where the funds go to uh, to help doggies. It's called Grounds and Hounds. It helps uh, rescue dogs and stuff like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this interview is with my friend Leah. Uh, There's someone that I met in 12-step circles and who also uh, you know identifies as as neurodivergent in a couple ways and it's a great conversation that we had and I hope you all find it interesting just real quick a a trigger warning uh, for for this conversation Uh, Leah uh, does make reference to um, uh, tryptophilomania is the word also uh, self-harm suicidal uh, ideation and attempts uh, and and sexual assault so just thought I'd make sure that uh, folks were aware of that before they move forward and um, hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, folks, welcome to the um, uh, re, 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 reboot of uh, Brian Talks to Humans, um, a uh, people's podcast about everyday people. Um, and uh, I'm with an everyday person uh, today, my friend uh, Leah. Leah, how you doing? Hello. How's it going, Brian? I'm doing, doing all right. Good. Hanging in. Yeah. How about you? Not too shabby. Uh, had a nice relaxing morning. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Now we just got to get you to um, quit smoking cigarettes. And I know. I know. <laughs> One thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Leah, otherwise known as, as um, no, no. Um, uh, how did we get there? I forget. Uh, are you, are you Italian? I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I told one of my friends I'm Italian and they came to visit me and saw that I'm exactly five feet tall and oh. very, 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 very small and bubbly. And uh, I cooked for them. So after that, they dubbed me Nonna and it spread. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm half Italian and um, we had a we had a Nonna, but um, for whatever reason, they just like anglicized it and we were supposed to call her nanny. Hmm. Uh, yeah i don't know but um yeah that was that was the case uh, uh with her <laughs> that's i i had a non i did have a nonna growing up so yeah. when when i got dubbed nonna it was it was very touching I, I i continuing the tradition happy to do it yeah yeah um and so uh and so you're um uh, I, I I know you through uh, through you know twelve uh, step circles, but you know we we are we are much more than that uh, as as humans, and um, you know part of the the sort of conceit or you know point of all this podcast business is um, is that everyday people are are interesting, and um, and so we just kind of get into you know people's stories and 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 that sort of thing, and um, so you're you're about thirty. Uh, you said yeah i'm turning 30 in june getting right. getting close okay and you grew up uh in uh, maryland 
Yeah, I grew up uh, halfway between D.C. and Baltimore in a little, a very yuppie suburb. Uh, um, and so, like, when you say yuppie, yuppie suburb, um, I mean, I think we kind of all know, like, what that means. But what was it like, you know, growing up there as as someone who we'll, we'll find out probably in a little while, maybe was a bit of a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, um, it was uh, all about visibility um, and appearances. So you uh, you had to dress a very certain way and um, uh, always appear to be the happiest of families, even if you had just come out of the house arguing, you know. So uh, the the phrase, what would the neighbors think, mm. <laughs> was very yeah. common, very common, commonly said in my household. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, my, I, like, I can still hear my mother today sometimes, like, people will think I don't clothe you. People will think I don't feed you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, if you, oh. if you are doing a certain thing, you know, outside of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. When yeah. I was in kindergarten, I used to love playing in the dirt and, like, drawing in the dirt. Yeah. Um, but that I, I had to wear these saddle shoes with the uh, white, uh, very bright white in the front on the toe. Yeah, so I yeah. come home with my shoes all dusty. And uh, that that was the worst thing in the world because, oh. you know, I, I looked like a ragamuffin and yeah. that was not acceptable. Oh, man. <laughs> and I would I would assume in, in this sort of milieu that there wasn't a whole lot of like ethnic and cultural diversity or I mean, um, the, the, the place that you mentioned before, I mean, it's it's like not like middle of nowhere like it's it's you know it was actually a fairly diverse neighborhood um yeah yeah, no we uh i grew up surrounded by a a variety of cultures um which was really nice i i was exposed to many different uh Mm. cultures and styles of living and uh different religious views very young um so i i really did appreciate that that was yeah not what you normally expect from that sort of uh neighborhood stereotypically i think but it it was really great in that regard yeah but uh as far as your own um sort of uh, family culture you you were raised catholic yes yes it was very strict catholic um um my family was exceedingly traditional um and we still celebrate uh, saint feast days and things oh wow uh yeah so uh, saint cecilia is uh, November 22nd. So I, I know that I still remember that one. Um, uh, it's my that reminds me of the Simon and Garfunkel song. Yeah, uh, that's actually how I got my name. <laughs> so, how about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I was very traditional Catholic uh, upbringing and I went to Catholic school through elementary school. So it was mm-hmm. a very strict at home, very strict at school. Uh, and I... I'm not going to pretend I was indoctrinated very young. I I was sold on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I went to Catholic school, too. Yeah. Like kindergarten through I'm half Italian, too. I went to Catholic school, like kindergarten through 10th grade, grew up in, you know, middle class suburb here in in Jersey. So, yeah. So did um, you're, you know, younger than than I am for sure. Was that Catholic school like a place where like um, there were some, some of the teachers were nuns like they were for me or? Um, there were, there was one teacher who was a nun. Um, we, most were not. Um, uh, I, the, I just believe it was location. I don't believe there was a, a convent nearby. Um, but uh, yeah, so S- Sister, Sister Lois 
mm. was the after school care and before care for a teacher. So I did spend plenty of time with her, but, mm. um, and she, she didn't dress in the habit, but, um, she, she, her persona, uh, seems to be what you'd expect. Uh, she, she, she was never horribly unkind to us, but she was not friendly or warm by any regards. Um, not, not approachable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they, I mean, I had, I had a, probably like half my teachers were nuns and half my teachers were, were lay folk. There, there was a little mini convent, like on the property, you know? So yeah, they were, um, they were there. I remember sister Anita being kind of a badass and I was in so much trouble in, in school, like so much trouble. Like, um, like the left side of the report card was the grades, like, you know, and spelling and math and all mm-hmm. that shit, right? And on the right-hand side was all like the behavior stuff. So like on the left-hand side, I would have like pretty much all A's. And then on the right-hand side, like all the conduct stuff, I'd have like, you know, needs improvement, unsatisfactory and, and things like that. That sounds very similar to my report card. Yeah. I was, I had straight A's all throughout the school, but um yeah, an inability to stay quiet, um, you know, uh, uh, no attention to detail, horribly unorganized, um, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you, you were forgetting socks. Oh, yeah. I got uh, in so much. My, my, my school, I don't know if yours did, had a, a demerit system where you would get uh, bad marks for uh, improper conduct. Uh, and that could include uh, not having your full uniform. So mm-hmm. there was a couple of times where I forgot to wear the correct socks and got demerits and ended up uh, uh, by fifth grade with two after school detentions um, oh, for you. talking during, a, I talked during a tornado drill and I complained my knees hurt. I got in big trouble for that. So yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> tornado drill. Yeah. What? Yeah. In, in Maryland. Like, is that yeah. Uh, th- th- we had had like a couple of tornado warnings because of bad storms uh, near the, the summertime so they decided well if we've had some warnings we need to teach the kids to stay under their desks and remain silent because that's what's going to be happening if there's a tornado ripping off the roof oh for sure yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. Uh, my my mother grew up in the generation where they would do the duck and cover drills like for the you know like the atomic bomb you know like oh my yeah so she was you know spooked and traumatized by the cold war so that i that does not sound like a fun era to have lived. That at no. least I did not have that drill. No, yeah, and yeah, and the best I got as a kid, you know, was like, oh, maybe he's not challenged enough, you know, and mm-hmm. like they offered, you know, to like skip first grade or whatever, and you know, my mother said no, but like that's like the best I got, you know, like there was no like identifying anything that was like, you know, whatever that, that would be a future diagnosis. There was no like well, maybe we, you know, need to teach differently or, you know, reach different kids a different way. You know, it was like, if you're not in that little box, then, you know, you're fucked. Oh yeah. And I, I, I got the, maybe, maybe we didn't challenge her enough a lot. Um, uh, Cause I would finish my schoolwork so quickly. And I, I was about six when I discovered Harry Potter and I mm. was a voracious reader. Mm. So I, you know, I was, I finished my schoolwork in 10 minutes and then hide my book under the desk so I could read and not be sitting there bored. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I got my book taken away so many times until the point where my teachers just sit down with my parents and say, all right, we need to schedule some reading time for her because uh, she's, it's distracting the other students that they think they can do it and they are not, they're not doing that. And so uh, that, that was nice, but um, I did have one or two teachers try to intervene and uh, they noticed that I was acting up a lot, that my behavior didn't quite match my academic potential is is how it was put mm-hmm. so I had one teacher suggest I get tested for learning disabilities actually mm-hmm. um because my social skills were subpar mm. to put it kindly um uh, and so I, I remember going for a blood test but I didn't have any you know uh, disabilities that the blood test uh, showed so uh they said okay She's fine. She's just weird. Okay. Mm. Um, that's fine. So she'll just be the weird girl for a little bit and that's fine. She'll probably snap out of it in puberty when she wants boys to like her. Um, so, uh, and then in fourth or fifth grade, uh, I, I had a teacher who pointed out my, my organization or lack thereof and my desk looked like an atom bomb had gone off. It was just horrendous mm-hmm. and I couldn't keep it straight no matter how many times I tried to like pull everything out and reorganize it I just mm-hmm. couldn't keep it straight so they had like a couple kids in the class who had difficulties with the organization we went to the counselor for one day for like 30 minutes and learned some things mm-hmm. and I went home and I talked about it. I was like yeah I learned some organization stuff today it was cool and my parents were livid I had been pulled from class Oof. and called the school <laughs> And I'm like, uh, no, it's much more important. She's in the classroom learning. I don't care if her folder's a mess and she can't find her homework that she no. knows she did. <laughs> She's got to be in class. So there were some attempts, I think, to try to figure out, but mm. when it wasn't any easy solution, they just dropped it and said, well, she's getting good grades. That's enough. Who cares? Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what they drill in us, right? Is like, you go to school, you get good grades, you go to a good college, you get a good job. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how that's pushed. And, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like, it sounds like your family was kind of like all on board with that, perhaps even more than than a Catholic school. Uh, yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Um, uh, they, that is very much how they define success is that there's a, there's a single line to it and this is how you do it. So I, I, I followed their steps. I did. I, I went to, you know, a good college and I got my degree and then I went to try to get my master's because they told me I had to. Mm. Um, and halfway through the master's, I said, this is, this is not my way to success. I'm not succeeding here. And I yeah. quit and it was hard and not happy for anybody, but it unfortunately was the right choice. And uh, I've been finding much more success since then. And yeah. uh, I made a, a similar choice. I quit in the middle of my dissertation. Uh, and it, it was definitely the, the, the right thing, right thing to do. So, um, but it, it, it sounds like not a lot of like warmth or flexibility or support in that regard from family when you were young or. No. Um, and the, n- not at all when I was young. <laughs> Uh, and, and still they, there's a lot of misgivings. Like, I don't think they're entirely sold that I'm doing as well, as well as they, they think I could be doing. Um, but you know, that's, 
that's part of life. That's part of things. They, they can't unfortunately control what I do and I can't control the way they think. So mm. hopefully as time goes on, we'll continue to see each other a little better. So like, as you're young and going through like, you know, kind of being a square peg in a round hole and, you know, the Catholic school, not really, you know, um, doing much to, to kind of accommodate that, you know, um, how about how, what, how, what were things like at home? Um, it, it was difficult. It was really difficult. Um, no one could understand why I just couldn't do what I was told, mm-hmm. why I had to act out. Um, I, I would do all my work, but I was, I was really rambunctious and I had no filter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of kids are like that, but I was yeah, yeah. more of an extreme. Uh, <laughs> I was not dainty or ladylike in yeah. any at, at all. Um, yeah, I would be like, like with the same with the saddle shoes, I'd be dressed up really pretty and come home covered in dirt and just having played really hard. And, uh, uh, yeah, it just, that doesn't fit in really well with a rigid religion or home structure. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of seem like the black sheep of the family really early on. Mm. Um, my little brother is a wonderful guy. Uh, but he had a lot easier time um, following directions than I did. Um, uh, and there was a lot of comparison. So why can't you be more like your brother? Mm-hmm. And why is it so easy for him? Why yeah. is it so hard for you? And then, you know, if I would force myself to do it, like, you know, force myself to really pay attention and succeed, it, 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 it would be, okay, so you can do it. Why don't you just do it all the time? Yeah. It was really yeah. hard. It was really, really hard. Um, and then um, uh, something else that made home a little harder was when I was eight, I got lice, and mm. that triggered um, a, a a disorder called trichotillomania, which meant that I compulsively pulled at and played with and picked with my hair. Mm. So I started you know, having little patches of hair missing and there'd be like a lot of hair on the carpet or something. And uh, my family didn't know what to do with that. They, mm. they had no idea what to do with that. Um, uh, and partly culturally, like I think that like, my mom was first generation from Sicily. So mm. that you don't, you don't need mental health help. Like her grand, her parents grew up on a farm you don't need mental health you just need to work through it and push through it and you're fine um so that added to the why aren't you just doing what you're supposed to why why you must be wanting attention Mm -hmm. um and uh you know then the kids at school noticed that my hair looked weird Mm -hmm. and bullying started um and I just, I didn't feel like I had much of a safe place at home or at school. Mm-hmm. So uh, I read a lot. I loved mm-hmm. reading. Um, yeah, kind of escaping. Oh, yeah. I, I grew particularly uh, particularly attached to Harry Potter books. Yeah. Um, anything fantasy was great, but I I pretended I was in Hogwarts. Like, yeah. I, that was my safe spot. Yeah. Um, so I, I I found a way. And, yeah, I, I, I remember when there was some clinically interesting things going on with, with my family. I would, uh, my, my thing was to just, um, I either be the clown or I just 
completely drop out of things and just go isolate my room, close the door and just, you know, do my thing. And I, I did some sort of pretend stuff, not really like the, the, the reading, but some, some other stuff too. And, and uh, yeah, so, so when you're getting these, these messages of like, why can't you do what you're supposed to? And then from school and from home and, you know, and then the, the, the bullying, you know, um, you have to be kind of like internalizing this kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, the internal monologue has to stay really, really strong um, to kind of ignore how bad everything is. So um, I, I got really good at isolating, even if, it, if I was in a very crowded room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I still struggle with opening up to people. Uh, like when I first meet people, I'm incredibly quiet, mm-hmm. which... Uh, makes everyone who's known me for a long time laugh because I'm I'm right. <laughs> I'm a firecracker but uh yeah I isolation was safety for a long sure. time absolutely you're you're basically telling my story except 15 years younger and and, <laughs> and not a not a cisgender man like that's just kind of <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy. I'm, I'm half Italian. My family's up. from Sicily, Catholic school, isolating. Like, I'm just, I'm, as we're going through this, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. you know, bad, <laughs> bad, bad behavior in school. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Dang, they say that you never, you know, you're never alone in the things you go through. But wow, I think I found my alternate universe twin. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, you know, pretty, we're, we're both a little uh, light up top. <laughs> Perhaps hey, different it's a reasons. Good look. But- yeah, yeah, you know, I always, I've embraced it for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I finally got out of um, Catholic school in uh, after tenth grade. After several years of sort of begging, you know, for it, they finally um, relented, and and I went to to public school. Um, but that also was accompanied, like for like for several years prior to that. I had kind of already figured out like this whole God thing is bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, um, was there, you said you had kind of like you were indoctrinated and like you swallowed it and, and that sort of thing. Um, by the time you moved into, into, into public school, had you started to kind of look around and say, eh? or not yet? Not yet. Um, mm-hmm. So I started public school in the sixth grade. Um, I went, uh, my brother and I both moved. So he started in third grade in public school. So he had a lot less of the Catholic school in his system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had had six years um, of daily religion classes. And, you know, so I was still very certain that I understood the world um, as, as the good book had told me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Jesus so loves I, you. The Bible tells you so. Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> A great song, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 my my biggest passion in life has always been singing. I, I started singing before I could walk, is what my parents say. Mm. But all the songs I knew until I reached middle school were either like '80s pop that my parents played right. or religious music. Mm. So in sixth grade, uh, my friends were talking about Green Day. I was like, who the hell is Green Day? Mm-hmm. So I go to the, the CD store with my with my family and I want to purchase this Green Day CD because mm-hmm. I want to know what my friends know. And mm-hmm. my mom was super against it. But my dad pulled for me and he's like, no, 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 no. They're going to be exposed to it. It's way better if 
you know, I can explain the context. We'll go through the lyric book. And he did. We uh-huh. bought the CD and he sat down with me and he explained what all the like pain and anger in the lyrics meant. Mm. And that made me my love for music even deeper. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I got a Green Day CD. And unfortunately, I think it was with hearing those different perspectives, I started to question what I had already mm. uh, thought I knew so strongly. Mm. So that was the beginning of it. Um, was it Dookie? Uh, no, it was actually uh, American Idiot. Oh, it, it was. Wow, uh, you're even younger than I thought. <laughs> but it, it hadn't just come out. Oh, um, okay. It was. It was. It was a couple years old at that point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Holiday and Boulevard of Broken Dreams were still okay. very popular and all over the radio. So uh, those were the songs that I had. I, I already knew. So I wanted to get that CD. And very quickly, I purchased Dookie and Warning and Insomniac and. Uh, yeah, I, I they're still my favorite band, but uh, I can kind of uh, see why, right? Like it was almost like this, this like portal, you know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. it opened the door to everything. Yeah, um, yeah my first uh, year outside of Catholic school uh, is very like um, the movie Mean Girls, where Katie moves from Africa and has no idea how to interact with anybody or what any of the lingo means. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then three very bratty girls kind of, you know, take her under their wing and teach her how to be an awful person. Yeah. Um, that was very similar <laughs> to what I experienced. Yeah. Well, um, I know you're an awful person. I know. So that it must've started young. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it started real young. No, I I became a real brat uh, real fast. Um, (laughs) uh, Everyone's terrible in middle school. Um, You know, I I was not smooth or cool or pretty enough to be one popular girl. So it didn't stick. But um, uh, yeah, I had a really bad attitude um, for for a few years. It didn't help being bullied and, you know, not knowing why I pulled out my hair and So, so like, so these folks took you under your wing, but you were getting bullied. So like Mm -hmm. kind of mixed messages from people, right? Yeah. Mixed messages. I think it just cemented in me that like, no matter how hard I tried in a new environment, I was never going to be a popular kid. I was too weird. I was was, going to be an outcast. Did you, did you cross the uncrossable line and try to make fetch happen? (laughs) Fetch, fetch cannot happen. Fetch is never going to happen. <laughs> I did wear pink on Wednesdays, though, and I didn't have anything pink. So I had to borrow my mom's really shirt that was way too big for me. So it did kind of look <laughs> like that beautiful picture. So no fetch, though. So I want to ask you a, a, a question. Um, I hate asking this question because mm-hmm. nobody ever asks, like, you know, a straight person when did you find out you were straight right nobody ever asked like a cis person like when did you find out you were cis it mm-hmm. was just like i got like i didn't get messages otherwise like i didn't feel out of place in the world i felt like the circle peg in, in the circle hole when it came to that mm-hmm. you identify as non-binary correct i do okay. yeah I, and, I pref- and i use they them pronouns now so how, how did that sort of um discovery or you know come about uh it's kind of hard looking back now because I'm able to see different things in my life and be like, Oh, that was an obvious sign. I was three years old and obsessed with only the female characters and not because I 
you know, hated the guys is because I really liked the female characters. You know, it, it's obvious now. But I, I my first uh, foray into uh, the LGBT community was thinking that I was bisexual. So when I was a senior in high school, I was like fairly confident, like, you know what, I think it, I think that this is what it is. I think I'm bisexual. And because like I definitely like guys, but I really like women mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh so maybe that's what's going on. I think that's it. Um and uh, uh Facebook used to have this thing where you would say, you know, this is my name and I'm interested in oh, men, yeah. women, or you could check it off. So I checked off both men and women. Mm. Um and my mother had noticed. And that does not align. I was going to ask, how did that go at home? Not well, not well, actually, not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was noticed. And uh, that quickly became a conversation into that's a phase. That's not a real thing. You need to just pick. Um, this is uh, after a conversation where um, when I was like 14, my mom very angrily stopped me and was like, just, you just tell me, like, are you a lesbian? no I'm not not that I know of so it was after that conversation a couple years later she was like no bisexuality does not exist it's not a real thing that's just something sluts say like, mm. uh, so she was okay more or less mm -hmm. no matter which side of the fence you were playing just mm -hmm. don't play both of them yep pretty wow. much interesting you know because I'm thinking like you know old school Sicilian like you know none of it's okay but you know um, she she definitely would not have been happy with me yeah. if I had like she, she would it would not have been her favorite answer if I had said yes I was a lesbian but she could have lived with that yeah. the fact that I was saying I think it's both she's that's not a real thing I've never heard of that mm. that's just something sluts say um so I kind of didn't talk about it with like anybody for a couple years um and then uh, like junior year of college uh <laughs> I got some college stories under my belt yeah. um, about, you know, just uh, uh, there are plenty of people who, when they drink, uh, this is not everybody. And I don't want to claim it's everybody, um, mm. but there are some people when they drink who to get attention do choose to make out with another girl to mm. get people looking at them and then go off. And that there's some people who do that. Um, when people wanted to do that, they made out with me. <laughs> so I, I was the, I was a good wingman. There you go. So, hey, it's, hey, it's guaranteed action, right? Like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> super proud of it, but you know, I, I was helping a friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't mind that too much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that pretty much cemented in my head. I was like, yeah, I definitely like women and I'm going to stop pretending that yeah. I'm just straight. Um, and uh, then I started like hearing about more of my friends coming out as trans or, you know, questioning not only their sexuality, but their gender. Mm. And it made me really stop and think about, okay, am I confusing sexuality and gender? Am I confusing who I'm attracted to with how I perceive myself and, you know, the gender that I am. And I, I did a lot of soul searching and started thinking back on like, you know, I've never really had female 
friends. Yeah. I've had people I've had crushes on and then like one or two very close female friends long term, like very few. I've always been friends with guys. I've always done the guy thing. I've always been able to talk easier with guys. I have all the same interests pretty much. Like none of my girlfriends want to talk about video games at all. Like, uh, I just, and I started seeing, like thinking of the role I wanted in a relationship and the role I wanted to play in the world. And it didn't really align with a traditional male role or a traditional female role. It kind of is a strange combination of both. Um, where uh, it is just very neutral. I just want to be seen as a person. And like that, just hearing that in my head, like, I just want to be a person. I was like, mm. That's it. I just want to be a person. I, I don't really feel very feminine. I don't feel very masculine. I'm just mm. me here. Mm. So uh, that happened when I was around 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in the midst of really heavy drinking. Mm-hmm. So I second guessed myself and questioned it for a couple of years. And it wasn't until I stopped drinking and really sat down and thought about it again that I realized, no, I did know what I was talking about. I was just now I can accept it because I'm sober and I can I'm starting to meet me again. And so just like the sexuality, when you sort of look back in, in the past with that lens of I'm, I'm non-binary, I'm just a person. Did other things sort of start clicking and making sense or? Oh, hundred percent. Um, the way I liked to dress just naturally, like in middle school, I, when I stopped wearing uniform and I can finally just wear whatever I wanted first go-to was just cargo shorts and band shirts. Like I didn't try to dress too pretty. I wasn't like, you know, trying to like, I just, I just, didn't think about it. It was like, I'm not, I just wanted to blend in. It's like, in like looking back, it is more just, there's a lot more androgyny to me mm-hmm. than I had given myself credit mm-hmm. for, um, or that I had thought was just sexuality until I understood that there is a difference between who I enjoy looking at and who I want to be and who I and, am. And uh, up to roughly this point had there been any sort of intervention with the um i'm gonna mispronounce it the 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 hair um uh, uh trichotillomania trichotillomania do i get yeah. that right yeah okay. yeah. Uh, yeah um i i often shorten it to trick okay so Let's that's just easier call it trick. Yeah. yeah just trick yeah. um so you were no. turning tricks since you were a young kid and yeah no, so oh. <laughs> you're fine Yeah, they really wanted me to leave that Catholic school. Um, <laughs> no, um, no. Like you said, had, your parents didn't really know what to do with it. But like, was there? You said, did you like any therapy or anything? Or none whatsoever. None yeah. whatsoever. Uh, it was very much a. This is something to be horribly ashamed of. You need to hide it. Um, I was threatened with the asylum a couple of times. Oh. Um, uh, like that. That that was my view of mental health. Like if someone saw you doing this, you'd be taken away. Mm. So. Uh, and I, not exactly a thing that eases anxiety no it really it really really didn't help uh and i i was so ashamed of myself for years and years and years and i i look back on pictures of myself and i you know i was i was really pretty when i, I was a really cute kid um and i just thought it was so ugly i, I thought it was so unlovable 
I just thought it was just useless and just how could I just not do anything right? Mm. Um, and I, uh, in high school, um, uh, a little trigger warning for self-harm, um, the self-hatred got so low, I did start to cut myself um, when I was 16. And um, I, after a couple months of that, some friends begged me to go for help. They didn't want to like out me and get me, you know, uh, committed, you know, involuntarily. So they, they begged me to talk about it. So I did sit down with my parents and say, like, I've been hurting myself. Like the depression's really bad it's because of my hair. I want to get help really bad. Um, I was denied any help. I was told that feelings of suicide and self-hatred are normal, that everyone has them sometimes and you just ignore it. Um, just, uh, listen to some happier music. I think what you're consuming is making you upset. I think it's the people you're hanging around Mm. and that I think you think it's cool to be depressed. Mm. So you clearly don't need help. You're fine. Mm. Um, that didn't help. Um, and I, yeah and i i don't know i i had tried so hard for so long to try to be the person they wanted me to be like i hated myself for not fitting their image of the perfect little princess daughter mm-hmm. like i i was an amazing dancer but i, I was gonna, yeah start to say like i know that we're kind of like you know talking about some some tough stuff but in the, in the meantime you, you know music dancing theater you were you know having certain you know, outlets and, you know, yes. that spoke to you. Yeah. Definitely. Um, that as I got older, I, I turned away from books and started turning it toward, more toward performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. Uh, and I, I, I was, I was very talented. I, I did get many, a couple of awards and, you know, scholarship for acting. And I, I did very well. Um, I just, uh, I had always really wanted to be accepted for who I was as my personality and as a person. Like I, my all my talents and accolades, like my parents really appreciated what I could do, yeah. but who I was was super disappointing. Right. And uh, that disparity, it, it, I, I had a hard time understanding myself. Mm-hmm. And because I couldn't understand myself, I had a hard time liking or accepting myself at all. So in in the performing, did you find that it spoke to you um, as an escape that you got to pretend to be somebody else or maybe you got to pretend to finally be you or was there any? And I don't want to put you on the couch or anything, but I'm just kind of <laughs> you know, curious as as I'm as I'm listening, like, mm-hmm. you know, why that spoke to you so much the same way that like escaping into fantasy might have. Um, I think that by pretending to be someone else, it felt like freedom. Like I, like I was portraying someone, yes, but it it wasn't, you know, Leah on stage, it was Kitty. And she was the one singing her heart out about all of these horrible things that she was going through and all of her dreams and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she was free to do all that. So she could, so being able to step into someone else's shoes and access that little bit of freedom is intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so then things changed. So, you know, you made it, you made a decision to, um, you know, recover. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And so um, how did, how did you get to the point where, where you said that, you know, the, the drinking and drugging wasn't, wasn't working anymore. And, you know, it was time to think about something different. Um, well, I, in the, in the very beginning of 2021, um, within the month of January, I ended up being hospitalized twice, um, uh, for my pancreas, actually, they were very worried. Um, I had severe pancreatitis, um, and I, like my heart rate was crazy and they were worried I was going to have a stroke. And so they admitted me to the hospital twice. And the second time they kept me there for three days and I, I got really scared after years of self-harm of passively trying to kill myself with booze mm -hmm. of a couple actual, uh, attempts mm -hmm. I when I was finally faced with the idea that you might have a stroke and die I got really scared I had watched four grandparents die of stroke mm. um, I knew how slow and awful that was I knew how bad it is for the family and it's it scared me to death um, so in the hospital bed I looked up AA meetings and went on zoom right there and I was like, this has to stop. I, I don't want to die like that. Mm -hmm. So I found a couple groups and I went to like two or three meetings every day while I was in the hospital. And when I got out, I went to an intensive outpatient program and I started right away. I, I was so scared and I kind of had this just this piercing moment of reality of what I was doing to myself, what I was putting my, my partner through. He might, he was my fiance at the time. He, he did still marry me. I'm very lucky. Um, but, uh, but I, I had been causing a lot of pain, not just to myself and mm -hmm. I wasn't just hurting myself. And, uh, yeah, I, I started and so far I've stuck with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just hit two years uh, this past Monday, so. Hello. Yeah. Um, There's been a, a lot of changes in two years. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. I remember oh my, my first couple of years. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, my my sort of thinking on a lot of this stuff is starting to you know evolve i've kind of already been like on the on the left wing of 12 steps you know to, <laughs> to begin with but I'm, I'm starting to rethink things uh, even more but um regardless you know um 12 step never really makes a diagnosis as far as like why what's the reason right and i've mm -hmm. always for me personally i i've always thought it's everything right like there's probably some genetic predisposition Definitely some clinically interesting, you know, environmental factors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, um, the ADHD 
you know, uh, and, um, and being autistic and like, um, not knowing that and just, you know, trying to cope and mask and all that and just, you know, right. So, yeah, um, it was, I think it all kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, but what I, what I don't like about Puff Step is that even though they, you know, they don't make that sort of pinpoint diagnosis, they, they, they locate a lot of the, the issue in us. I mean, you know, we're mm-hmm. the only thing we can control. And so, right. But I think the message that, that people get is that like, we're, we're what's wrong, right. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, we're, we're sick and we're trying to get better. It, it's, it, it's, we're what's wrong. So it's just yeah. sort of a, 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 a long way of saying like, do, you know, how do you think things developed for you? Like we've talked about this whole like lifetime of being, of not being what you were quote unquote supposed to be or what people wanted you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, did, I mean, was, you know, was, was the, the, the numbing, the pain and then the escape, you know, sort of what you were chasing with all that? Or? Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was chasing just definitely escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, I was chasing like a version of myself that could fit in with people and could be a cool mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. So like when I drank in college and that's what everyone did, like, I was able to join a sorority mm. and I'm weird as hell. <laughs> I, I was, I almost did a spit take with my coffee that, that, that Leah was in a sorority, right? Yeah. Me. Also, and, we, we didn't, we didn't say you were, you were once like also like a Sunday school teacher. I did. I was, I was a Sunday school teacher for three years. Um, but that, that was for my resume for yeah. um, my master's degree in education. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh that was an interesting period of time because I, I had at that point had a religious awakening of this is bullshit. (laughs) I don't believe in any of this, Um, but I was still teaching these children. Uh, So I, I did not, I I wasn't like, I respected the doctrine and I I was a respectful teacher. Like I understand this is the material I chose to teach. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to teach. I'm not going to be, you know, well, really kids, this is, isn't this a bunch of crap? And I did not do that. about Jesus's wife. (laughs) Y'all remember Mary Magdalene, right? No. Um, No. So I just, uh, you know, I found out that they didn't know a lot of the old Bible stories. So I brought in my children's Bible and talked about like Jonah and the whale and stuff. Yeah. it was more just I I loved teaching and the kids were great so I, I didn't mind that but yeah I, I did a lot of things that you wouldn't expect uh trying so hard to fit in I tried to be a, yeah. I was a cheerleader for two years oh my god I, I know have I you know. ever seen the movie but I'm a cheerleader no I have not it's um Natasha Leone okay uh, she's fabulous but yeah it's a great it's a great movie it's like 1999 it's it's good Beautiful. it's like the year after she made um uh uh, slums of Beverly Hills. Anyway, okay. it's, it's, it's really it's it's really good. But um, uh, so um, so yeah. I mean, and, and what I found with, with with drinking, especially, but also some you know some with drugs, is you know I think what you were alluding to is a lot of the noise in my head stopped. Um, I didn't feel alone in a crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. I could smile more. I could joke. I could be loose. You yeah, know. I was, I felt relaxed. Like that. W- that... Women were dumb enough to talk to me. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Although it, although at one point I didn't even do that. I just wanted to be in a corner and drink. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing is yeah. that it it did not stop with just oh let's yeah. just hang out during parties. No, the yeah. first time I drank, I got blackout drunk, and that kind of like 
set the scene for how I behaved with alcohol. Mm. I, I just didn't seem to ever be able to regulate with myself with yeah. it. But when I first started, it was fine because everyone kind of did that because we were yeah. all 18 to 21 and assholes. So not all of us. There were some really wonderful people there. I don't want to drag them down with me. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, just it was more it was more accepted, though, mm-hmm. to, to act a bit of fool earlier on. And then as I got older um, and other people started becoming more mature and uh you know, getting real adult jobs and stopping partying all the time. I I didn't, and I didn't want to, uh, was part of it, but I also didn't really want to accept that. I, I got to a point where I, I really couldn't, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any control over that anymore. Yeah. 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 And then, and then the, the pancreas and, yeah. and, and here we are. Um, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk about, um, if you could like, um, like what's your what's been your experience in in recovery sort of as you put the proverbial plug in the proverbial jug (laughs) and get the the space to you know you know explore yourself more Um, how how have have things developed you know like especially when 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 it's like the the quote-unquote like non non non-drinking and drug stuff right like the you know some of the underlying stuff we've been talking about so I, I will say it's, it was really important to find a community that fit me. Mm. Like since I, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, but I, I no longer practice any religion whatsoever. Oh, oh kitty. It's a kitty this time. Yeah. <laughs> if she was hiding in the room, I didn't notice her until she, <laughs> she woke up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Louise. Um, so uh, I, I, I tried uh, a couple traditional AA meetings um when I was still in like the height of my drinking I I knew I had a problem and I did want to try Mm -hmm. so I I went to a church and I listened to about 15 minutes of Jesus save me Mm -hmm. and I realized this is not the program that's going to work for me right and I left yeah and that I kept drinking for another two years uh but if there's one thing that came out of the pandemic it was so many different meetings became so accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I could look yeah. up agnostic meetings. I can look up for alternative, you know, ways to handle the 12 step without a, you know, a traditional higher power. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finding uh, several really wonderful groups full of some real awesome people who had very similar stories to me. <laughs> some other misfit toys. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, and it, it felt nice to, yeah. to be on that island. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to to recognize some other wonderful fellow humans who deserve to be loved and, and seen as the wonderful gems that they are. So uh, once I found a, a good community that I could, you know, be myself in, which can mean that I isolate for a while and still come back and hang out and say hi that they're still very accepting um mm-hmm. that helped um me be comfortable enough to talk about where i was mm-hmm. and what my issues were and where where i could have i i want to do better in the future and where you know uh, you know there, there's some justified anger i guess a little bit but i have to be sure. careful with that because yeah. i i mm-hmm 
you know, it's, it's, it's not okay that certain things happen to me, but right. that doesn't allow me to behave however I want. Yeah. So that's, that's where I am. Mm. Um, and yeah, finding some wonderful people that help me be able to be comfortable enough with myself to call myself out mm. when I am getting on my bullshit. That's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, too, similar to um, myself, made some uh, discoveries about um, neurodivergence. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, being told when I was a kid, if anyone found out about your problems, you'd be sent to an asylum. I didn't really want to talk about my problems for a very long time. I Mm. hid them from everybody. It took I, the man who's my husband now, I had been dating him for like two or three years before I told him I had hair pulling issues. Mm. Um, I was so, I was so scared too. Um, but like I, I did. And he was just super accepting. I was like, I don't care. I don't love you for your hair. Like, I'm sorry that this happened, but mm. okay. Like, all right. So we can work with that. Who cares? Mm. And that was really sweet. But I, I, talking about it to a big room of strangers Mm. that's that's different um so yeah i hearing other people be very blatantly like yeah so i'm i'm on the spectrum and i struggle sometimes to understand like your tone so i'm sorry if i do this yeah and just be themselves and uh, unapologetically just yeah i'm i'm me and this is who i it's so easy to accept others mm. you know it's so hard for me to accept myself but it's so easy for me to accept yeah. others of course yeah, oh, yeah. so you know we don't we don't we don't accept ourselves we accept others we we don't we don't follow the advice we give others we don't give ourselves the grace that we give others not yeah it's a thousand percent <laughs> like it's so true it's yeah. so much easier to be kinder to other people than it is yeah. to me because i'm bad and wrong yeah, yeah. um yeah. so yeah just hearing other people talk about these things that I think of myself as bad and wrong, but and for them, Oh, it's not. It started making me think maybe, maybe the fact that sometimes I get really excited and have a hard time stopping talking isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not necessarily me being bad. Maybe yeah. that's just, I get excited sometimes. Right. That's so it. yeah. um, Like the idea being that like, we're only, I mean, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody who's a certain diagnosis or an entire, you know, disability community or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the, the vibe that I've kind of been um, drawn to is the idea that, you know, when I, when I would teach my students before I discovered anything about myself, really, other than sort of run of the mill, you know, <laughs> depression and anxiety was, was, you know, from a, you know, sort of disability justice uh, framework that, um, you know, in many ways, people aren't disabled, they're disabled by the world, right? Mm. The world isn't built for them. And that's disabling. That's where the handicap comes from, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's kind of, you know, for stuff that's less visible, you know, than like a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for stuff that's um, neurological, right? That, that, that's true, too. Like, there's many different ways that, um you know, uh, we have strengths mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that, other, that other people don't. 
it's just that we're not like we're not fitting in like the the typical world that uses those strengths in in, in ways right like you, you know what i'm saying and no 100 there's a great quote is if you judge a fish by its ability to ride a bicycle it will forever believe it's stupid yeah yeah, yeah. yeah this not everyone is great at the same stuff or in the same capacity yeah. and that might mean that their strengths lie elsewhere where other people are lacking um i think that's why i like the term neurodivergence so much yeah. i feel it's so much more opening to the idea yeah. that everyone's brain works incredibly differently and that's an advantage yeah. let's let's think of it more as an advantage rather than you know like we're, we're, we're social creatures. We're not supposed to work independently. And, you know, we're supposed to be able to function together. And that means that different people are going to be better at different things. And that's mm. how it's supposed to work. Mm. So yeah. success can look different because it's supposed to. Right, right. And, you know, my sort of rigid thinking or quick judgment about people can be pretty useful in certain situations. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like uh, you're cool. You're cool. Fuck you. You're cool. Bullshit. Right. Like, you know, when, when I'm in when I'm in political movements that are trying to, you know, liberate Palestine and capitalism, abolish police and prisons, you know, like uh, we, we, we there's some urgency here and I'm 45. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> nuance yeah. and complexity is OK within certain parameters. But, you know, come Be- on. Being able to pick up on just vibes is yes. super helpful. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I know that like not picking up on social cues is often like one of our things, but like there's vibes? other cues that I am really good at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like oh, yeah. I can like look at somebody's like just their vibe or like just a quick look at their Twitter timeline. And it's like, I, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, like I, I, I get this, you know, you're you're this you know, that you're this person, you know, and, um, and that can be, that can be very useful. It's, it's very helpful. I, um, I have a radar for creeps. So if someone walks up to me and is very kind and polite, I can, I I have like a Ted Bundy radar where I can tell, oh, you're fake Mm -hmm. and you're going to do something really creepy in a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost always right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have creep radar. So I, 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 I picking up on vibes is really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we were talking before we, we, we pressed record about like the way that, and, and when you were talking about, um, gender and sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, how things started, like dots started connecting, you know, mm-hmm. when you sort of made these discoveries, um, talk, like, I guess we've talked about gender. We've talked about sexuality. Talk about that from sort of a, I guess, neurodiversity, um, perspective you know the ahas you know and the dots connecting um well they, i usually don't end up having them by myself right i usually end up having those aha moments when i'm talking to somebody else mm-hmm. like earlier when we were just you know talking and hanging out, i i made a, a sudden connection that oh my goodness the first time I drank and got blackout drunk happened to be a month after I had been assaulted at school um, by a friend mm, that I never had made that connection it's like maybe the reason I wanted to go and escape so bad was because I was trying to forget a person I really cared about really really thought I was head over heels for doing something mm. terrible mm. so I 
I, I don't end up making a lot of these aha moments by myself. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's through talking through it. It's mm-hmm. through trying to like actively work on seeing it mm-hmm. from a big picture point of view that uh, I'm able to see things. So it's usually like when I get real deep in my thoughts uh, or like when my therapist really, really pokes at me in the best way that yeah. I start realizing, oh, maybe the reason I had such a hard time fitting in and was seen as the weird girl was just because I didn't have a filter. I was incredibly blunt. Like that may have been a sign that I needed some other type of support and things may not have been as hard. Mm. Um, But I, despite everything, I, I do kind of feel strongly of who I am now. I really do like. That's good. And if I had to go through all of that shit to be so fond of myself now, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have all the perspectives I do. I would not be as empathetic as I am had I not experienced some stuff. Um, sometimes that does mean I want to help too much when mm-hmm. I see someone going through it and like yeah, oh but yeah. I, I can help you it's like yeah, yeah. sometimes other people need to make their own yeah. bad choices and I'm sure the people who saw me making them <laughs> wish they could <laughs> just, just grab my hand for me but you know mm. um that that's part of learning in recovery sure for sure yeah so so who is Leah now that we love so much <laughs> um Leah is a, a very optimistic person uh, who cannot help but laugh a lot. Um, That's very true. I'm I'm very, very go with the flow up to a point. Mm. Um, and then I need, once I reach that point, I'm the kind of person who needs to work very hard on keeping control so I don't fly off the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem very easygoing, but I I have to work. I still have to work really hard not to snap. I, I have a terrible, terrible, terrible temper. Maybe, maybe it's the Italian temper. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, I, I am someone who struggles a lot with executive dysfunction. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm someone who needs um, help sometimes reminding myself to do simple things like brushing my teeth. Yeah, yeah. And I'm someone who's working on being kind to myself about that, who yeah. struggles with that a lot. Because oh, yeah. I, I'm trying to erase the well i should be there i should be doing this and trying to erase that from my mental vocabulary because you know seeing approaching 30 there's lots of benchmarks where society and part and i feel like i should have reached by now Mm -hmm. and i haven't i have i've done some other stuff and i haven't done some stuff Mm -hmm. that maybe my friends have where i see all the pictures of you know people having like their second child on facebook i'm like i that's that's not a benchmark I'm I'm looking to meet right now and that's okay Mm-mm. that's okay yeah <laughs> I don't think that's a benchmark I am ever yeah. want to meet yeah. I and yeah I, I'm not sure it's a benchmark for me yeah. uh whether it is or isn't is to be seen mm-hmm. uh but it's not part of my plan for the future and mm-hmm. that's fine mm-hmm. you know for me personally, not having children is a success right now. So okay. I'm, I'm, I feel very successful. 
yeah um you know you mentioned sort of being okay with, with it all like um I, my new I have a new therapist and things are going very well um, wonderful she kind she kind of has expertise in dealing with I shouldn't say dealing with in working with um you know neurodivergent adults like myself and mm-hmm. um you know I kind of felt a little I mean I loved my old therapist I was with her since 1998 but you know wow. I, I kind of felt like things were a little like plateauing you know mm-hmm. and that this new sort of development of things getting a lot more difficult for me um like existing has be- has become just exhausting the last couple of years mm-hmm. so anyway it, a lot of her a lot of my new therapist work is is based in um something called acceptance and commitment therapy so i don't mm. i don't dig too deep into it because i don't want to like know too too much about it because i don't want to be there like playing chess with her when i'm on the couch you know like i was <laughs> doing this you know what i mean like um, i got you i got you <laughs> but like but like you know it's kind of rooted in this idea of like radical acceptance you know like okay yeah you were arguing with yourself that doesn't make you like crazy it doesn't make you like i think i was saying earlier oh no it's when i was recording like the intro to the intro to the intro like i get mad at myself for being mad at myself for being mad at myself Mm -hmm. Uh, you know and at some point that's got to stop right so Mm -hmm. but but yeah and i think i think you know it and and that kind of brings me back to like the acceptance thing that i talk about in 12 step is like acceptance doesn't have to mean that like you like it or that it won't change it mm-hmm. just means like you have to like give up resisting to the fact that it is yes you know yes just accepting discomfort sometimes yeah and i think i think that's part of why drinking was so much easier for me is just I don't have to feel discomfort. I don't have to recognize the fact that I'm being a jerk even right now in this moment. Because I'm <laughs> yeah. gone. You're not being a jerk in this moment, by the way. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Not this one. <laughs> Made it. Um, I actually, I had a, my last session with my therapist, um, who I, I started with like a month or two ago. And she's phenomenal. Mm. Um we had a, a very similar conversation where it was just kind of acknowledge, trying to acknowledge the fact that uh, I, I tend to feel very badly for the thoughts that I am having. Mm. And I keep beating myself up in a cycle for just thinking the things I think. Oh, and totally. It, what's, what's the point? It's like, you're just making yourself feel worse times too, at mm-hmm. least. And just, yeah. But, um, and then eventually, you know, sometimes getting into like a depression hole because you're crazy and nothing's going to change. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always oh, going to be arguing with yourself. The most helpful of thoughts. Always. <laughs> always. Um, so I, um, I'm one of those people who in recovery uh, got obsessed with meditation. So oh. I, I, I'm, I, I adore it. I love it so much. Um, and there was a really simple one that I learned right when I first started in the, um, the intensive out, uh, outpatient was just a, where you sit like in a hardback chair as straight as you can and you close your eyes and you just breathe and you focus on the discomfort. Mm, yeah. You don't, and you try as hard as you can not to move. You just focus on, yeah, right now, this isn't super comfortable. And you just get used to physical discomfort is a mental way to trick yourself into being used mm. to not feeling comfortable because 
Like for me, when I get social anxiety, for example, there's a lot of physical response as well yes. as the mental response. Yes. So if I get used to physically being a little uncomfortable, I can focus less on that and how my stomach is, you know, just writhing snakes and where like, you know, I feel so much pressure in my head that it's forcing, like it makes it hard to think. Mm. I can ignore that more if I'm used to being uncomfortable. Mm. So mm -hmm. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a tough balance between like exposing yourself to those situations, you know, and, and not, mm -hmm. right? like, like yesterday I was out of the house, like for the longest time, uh, other than work for like the longest stretch of time in like forever. Mm -hmm. Right. And in some ways, like, yeah, it was kind of draining and exhausting, you know, cause that's who I am, you know, mm -hmm. that kind, but like, it was not me just, you know, puttering around the apartment arguing with myself you know yeah <laughs> you know and and um you know it was just it just I was you know different yeah yeah <laughs> but um so uh any um anything that you that we didn't talk about that's sort of left unsaid or anything that you you want people to hear um mm. I think that is the thing that has helped me the most, I think is pretty much what I was just talking about at the end is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, myself and about environments I face that makes me uncomfortable that, you know, isn't what I would want it to be. Sometimes it's of my own making. Sometimes it's just the way the world is, but that doesn't mean I won't be able to make it through the moment. That doesn't mean that I am wrong for being who I am. And that doesn't mean that every situation is going to feel like that. And there are some situations where I, I have to be in that are like calling the doctor and setting up appointments that I have to do that I hate mm -hmm. um, that I will put off for months mm -hmm. to just avoid doing. But there's a lot of other stuff, the little things that is a lot easier and focusing on those little things and those very small victories is so helpful. Mm. Even if it's just, you know, I finished drinking my cup of coffee and I remembered to put the cup next to the sink. I didn't rinse it. I didn't, you know, put it in the dishwasher. I just put it next to the sink. Mm -hmm fantastic you know i didn't leave a dish lying around the little things really really matter absolutely absolutely hold on one sec you get i have full rain brian's really cool haha <laughs> I'm such a dork. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end on a, a slightly uh, lighter note just to kind of close things out here. So um, would you rather never read another book oh. or never watch another movie? Oh, lighter note. Come on. You're yeah. going to mislead me. Jeez Louise. 
Um, honestly, probably never watch another movie. Yeah, I thought probably. that would be the answer. Probably. I'm I'm really bad at sitting for movies, actually. Uh, yeah. I don't know the last time I watched a new movie. I, really, I get so distracted. Same. I, I, have, I have a tab open with a documentary halfway done on pause for two weeks. I know the feeling like it's and it's like I'll get halfway and then it's like all right it's been long enough I'm, I gotta go do anything else and then I never go back and finish it I'm the same way with reading now though ever since the pandemic like I just can't sit and focus and read especially if it's on paper like and not on a screen I don't know why I have a much easier time with a paper book than on than on a screen but um I I also like graphic novels help a lot too I've heard um, yeah I'm gonna look into audio as well some people have suggested audiobooks to me. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've read it. There's a, a graphic novel uh, that you might actually really like um, called Persepolis. I've, oh, I've definitely heard of it. Yeah. Um, Iran. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a phenomenal book. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's there's two parts. Um, the first one I've read and reread. The second one, I've only been able to like. I've only found it in the library when I've been like going in like for a couple minutes, but it's a fantastic story. Um, it's, it's not a, it's a heavy read, but it's not a long read, which is why I'm able to get through it. All right. Um, one gotta go. We're going to play one gotta go. Okay. Electricity. Mm-hmm. Running water. Oh. Grocery stores. Roads. One gotta go. Ooh. Okay. Well, I gotta have a grocery store. I gotta have a grocery store. Um, and I, I'd like to get there, so road would probably be helpful. Um, I guess I could bushwhack, but that, the, you know. Um, I guess electricity. I bushwhacked a couple of days ago. It makes my dick look bigger. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Did you get you got you got rid of electricity? Okay, all right, yeah, because the running water is like you know you got to bathe and drink, and you don't want to be walking two miles to a well. I need well. a toilet. Yeah, I'm yeah, not doing yeah, an outhouse. Yeah. yeah. Damn, you got me good with that one. <laughs> Actually, it just makes it look the way it really is. It removes the illusion. Well, it's like you gotta you, you gotta remember it's like a car show. Things always look bitter bigger indoors they seem much bigger indoors than outdoors <laughs> uh this one could get heavy but you know people have fun with it too would you rather have a rewind or pause button on life pause pause the, it's 10 out of 10 I, I that would help me in so many situations if i could just like pause and just <sighs> okay play so much easier yeah. no and it's funny I, I because the way I thought of it was like, pause, run around and do the million other things that I need and want to do, and then get back to it. I wasn't even thinking about like being mindful or <laughs> like taking a deep breath. I was like, I, mean, I gotta get shit done. It would help in so many ways. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I mean, I think there's, uh, there's how many episodes of so many TV shows have like stuff like that where you just go insane, just run down the street, pull people's pants down, just yeah. take pizzas. Oh, it'll be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I um speaking of though, I mean I, I, I have the meditation apps, so baby steps, I downloaded them. Um mm. small victories. Uh, but you know, I have uh you know thought about um with my therapist's help, found other ways to sort of 
slow down and 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 be mindful and it's 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 really helped you know because being present is really what it's all about Mm -hmm. because like i would say i don't know 70 percent of the freight train brain is either about you know before or ahead you know like Mm -hmm. past or the future so you know yeah being present yeah it's 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 difficult but it's super worth it like sometimes Sometimes you just have to, but sometimes it's so wonderfully worth it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for being um, the the maiden voyage on uh, on the new re 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 reboot of uh, of the podcast. And thank you for you know taking all this time out of your your busy life for uh, for a chit chat. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. It's always nice to talk to you. Okay, so there you have it, the first full episode, a conversation with uh, my friend Leah. I hope folks found it interesting, and I hope you keep tuning in for more conversations with interesting people. It's, it's really good to be back, and it's really good to be doing this, and thanks for listening. Stay human. Stay human.